everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. You're, you're afraid of your own funk? <laughs> Can that be a topic? You're nervous about the germs that you're putting out there yes. into, the, into the world that you might re-inhale somehow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's a hard thing to be afraid of yourself like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I thought we would talk a little bit about um, clients and their need for closure sometimes, or just humans, because I'm not going to separate myself from clients on this one at all. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that need for closure, um, either when a relationship ends, um, this can come up the idea that you know that it you, you have to have that final conversation where things get kind of resolved and taken care of or spoken that need to be that you feel like need to be spoken or mm-hmm. or that you understand you know th- this kind of idea that you ne- you need to have another conversation to really understand why the other person has decided to end the relationship whatever it is mm-hmm. um or in grieving clients that that um are are dealing with kind of a a, a death um, and they feel like the relationship ended in a way that, that didn't provide them with enough kind of um, resolution or, again, closure. Sure. Um, and so I'm curious, how often does this come up for you in your work? Fairly often. I mean, especially if we're looking at it that broadly. Oh, absolutely. I think that um, at the heart of it is just uncertainty, right? Like there's a big change now. Um, this this quest to kind of gather information to know more yeah. and then this belief like if i if i grasped onto something like something tangible then maybe that can help me understand this um um accept it and then to be able to kind of drop it and move on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah it comes up quite often yeah i, I you know, um, another way that I um, hear this occasionally is that uh, I'll have a, a client who's uh, had a parent maybe commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And um, there, there can be this kind of quest for needing to understand, you know, or the this kind of idea that, that um, um, they need to kind of come to some kind of resolution or some kind of peace with what happened sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that idea for closure can be there too. It seems like, um, I mean, this is so uh, valid, I think, because so many things in life end without a lot of what we would call closure. Sure. Right. There's tons of situations that come to an end um, without us feeling really good about it. Right. Yeah. And I think underlying that is, um, of course, some changes don't bother us as much and we're able to move on. Some changes and some uncertainties, we somehow are kind of just kind of stuck there. Um, But I think that um, at the heart of it is, is arbitrarily or not, but you do get to a point where you determine like, that's good enough. That, that answers it. That's enough quote unquote closure, (laughs) right? A good enough adequate explanation for why this thing happened and it no longer is. And then you're able to move on. Mm. Right. Um, so I think that sometimes when people are, are, uh, grieving various types of losses and then looking for that closure it's they're doing the same thing right just kind of looking for um, a good enough answer as to why this happened yeah um, hoping that somehow with that why they could then 
find that peace and yeah. then be able to move on. Well, that's a, that's a really good point. Let me let me recap though. It sounds like um, we're we're talking about these situations in which people that that, that things change mm-hmm. uh, definitely that they're kind of hard to adjust to, right? Sure. And, and these things are big things usually. Um, you mentioned that um, there's a drastic change. You know, it's not small things that that kind of bother you usually. It's mm-hmm. it's bigger shifts in your um, environment that that uh, maybe leave you confused or unsettled in some way. And then um, I, I'm wondering, it sounds like one motive for clients to kind of really latch onto the idea of closure seems to be like, I need to understand or at least feel uh, good enough mm-hmm. about this, um, this change right? Um, in order to kind of move on from it. So then it seems like the ability to move on is somewhat partly dependent upon the nature of the information that I can get. Yeah. <laughs> right. That I can gather from that. But then also it's like, then I have to then deem that somehow good enough, adequate enough. Yeah. How do you, how do you, how do you clients typically gauge it as good enough though? Right. Right. Cause, cause in the, in the example I mentioned, sometimes I'll have a client, you know, whose parents committed suicide, maybe our parent. Um, and, and let's say even in the event that that person left a note or told somebody beforehand why what they were dealing with and some of the stressors right it's often kind of not good enough you know even though um maybe the parents said look i was under a ton of financial stress and and there's still this idea that that can't be the reason you know, right i've got i really need just to understand what they were thinking doing feeling and mm-hmm. um what do you think determines good enough for um i think it's part of that um, at least at the beginning, anyhow, when they're going through the, the motions of all of that, I think it's part of this this bargaining part to to grief, if, and you know, in the the traditional sense of like bargaining following a death of a loved one, right? Uh-huh. But you, but we go through bargaining processes through all sorts uh, all sorts of losses as well. But I think it's part of like looking for that um, um, reason why. So, like you said in that instance, there's a no, a clear explanation. I right. swear, this is the reason why. I've committed suicide, right? Um, not not good enough. I don't want to accept that yeah. reality, right? And so mm, mm, that person must have had ulterior motives, other reasons beyond mm-hmm. the ones that are stated. So I think it's the, I don't want this reality. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. Even when you see clients who are dealing with a relationship loss, you know, and, uh, a romantic relationship loss, and they're still like, I just don't understand why, mm-hmm. you know? Even if that person's, talked to them, told them during the breakup ceremony or whatever that was, that it's still really difficult sometimes for someone to understand the why mm-hmm. of things and, and to therefore create an ulterior, you know, there must be another reason because this reason that I'm getting doesn't quite satisfy my pain right. or, or my, my frustration here. Yeah, this isn't what I want it to be. This doesn't make enough sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then they start doing these if then kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. If, if, if I did that and, uh, you know, said that, then maybe something else, then it sets them up to like do all of this speculative, um, and then the thing before you know it, they're down this rabbit hole all the while churning up all the discomfort that comes along with, wait a minute, there's this huge gaping question mark. Yeah. That's, that's impacted me in mm-hmm. a big way, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think you're right. I think some people are, are almost bargaining, you know, how, do, how do I not, how, how is this reality not going to actually kind of be reality? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think some people it might be in an attempt just to avoid the pain of the loss anyway. Sure. To kind of just, um, get, get kind of really consumed in, in a, in a cognitive pattern of thinking about the whys rather than the reality of the loss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. Sure. And then I think also too, that as they're doing that, the strategy, at least for some folks anyway, the, uh, the implicit strategy is more of like, um, looking for an answer so that, uh, so that it could potentially inform what I do next, uh-huh. <laughs> what I choose to do next. But then the, the, um, the unhelpful thing is that the way in which they're looking for that information or that type of information to then inform action, the way in which they go about that, right, further entrenches them um, and, and entraps them. Yeah, the the deeper you go into a mystery or a riddle you can't really solve, right. um, the harder it is to move on. Because I think that's what you're saying. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if I could understand and make peace with this, I could move on. I could be happy. I could, you know, start dating again. I could start doing these things again. I need to understand why first, though. Right. Um, uh, and the process of you having to understand the why really actually just keeps you separated from doing those things. It doesn't doesn't bring it closer to doing those things that it kind of almost ensures that you're going to be repeating this pattern of why for right, a really long right. time. Yeah. But it also strikes me as through that quest to look for the why it strikes me as one explanation leads generates another why mm. at least mm-hmm. one other why and then that why generates at least another why right so in some ways it seems to me like it might be this implicit tactic too if you know it's convenient I can always just stay here and, and, and be lost in the whys and the chase of the whys. And then I don't then ever have to actually then confront the actual reality I'm not wanting to look at, right? So it's also a very convenient way to not um, look at and accept yeah. the unwanted reality. Well, it, 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 well, the idea too, I think, um, that I end up talking a lot with clients here is that um, entertaining the notion that you need to know why right. is, is kind of the, the hook you want to avoid there. You know, when you're, when you catch your mind kind of start wandering about whys in certain situations, especially if, um, there's a reality there that, that needs to be dealt with. Um, getting consumed with the idea that you need closure in order to move on and be a happy person or in order to do the thing you want to do in life is there's a, there's a real tricky, I, I try to talk to clients a lot of, uh, uh, on this kind of macro level of man, that, that hook of you needing to know why seems mm-hmm. to be driving a lot of your rumination, frustration, avoidance, um, all together. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you attack that? Oh, absolutely. Right. I I frame it as more like conditional thinking or like, um, 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 uh, requirements, demands that you, right. Must have the answer first before I can move on to the next step. And often if you get pulled into that with a client, it feels like, um, you know, if you start generating whys, possible whys, man, you could do that forever. Cause oh, like you were saying that right. then therapy just comes, becomes kind of a mirror of their ruminative kind of thought pattern where you're trying to give them the, you know, help them find that why for themselves and their mind's always able to kind of generate a way, but that doesn't make sense. Right. Um, and, and yeah, so to me, it, it, it makes sense therapeutically to talk much more about that kind of um, 
that compelling feeling to chase that I need to think about why and I need to understand that in order to really be happy. And that's actually the belief and, and the pattern that might be preventing them from actually being happy. Right. Life. Yep. So I, yeah. I also kind of frame it as that, that this conditional thinking, right, must, this must be met first before I can do the next thing. Um, where else do you do this? <laughs> How has <laughs> yeah. that, you know, yeah. um, gotten you stuck? Well, and so much of the, um, I need closure. The evidence for that is that you're, there's pain. Right. You know, there, there's pain I don't understand. Therefore I need closure. And, um, uh, yeah, that, that, that trap, I think will echo in other parts of your life that mm-hmm. you're, I need to, I need to kind of understand or feel good about something in order to really accept it. Right. Um, in order to kind of not torture myself with thinking about it and, um, that re- repetitive way of trying to understand it maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, then, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. And then, um, related to what we talked about a bit earlier too, that could be fine and dandy, right? But then how do you then determine and discern what's good enough? Yeah. What's, what's the, the, you know, valid or warranted information here? Then I can say I've gotten enough, right? That's closure with a, you know, capital C. That, that determination of what's good enough, yes, yes, I've stumbled across that closure that I've needed, right? It's so arbitrary. Yeah. Yeah. How do you answer clients uh, question there? Like, um, what's good enough? How do you, what, what process do you lead them on to? What's good enough? Oh, so in this case, is this, does this qualify as good enough closure (laughs) to stop looking for the why? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think I just kind of continue to point out like it would be fine and dandy if that process was to actually lead you to, um, a concrete, tangible way of determining, yep, when I come across that type of information, that'll be good enough, right? Mm-hmm. But, but it seems like it's arbitrary and a sli- it's a, a elusive kind of thing. So I don't like to play that game, right? Yeah. Um, so I kind of point that out as um, um, wherein I like to play games wherein there's ch- I have greater chances of actually like winning, right? <laughs> um, so in this case, like going into that abyss of why and then not even uh, being able to articulate as to the metrics for determining what type of information is good enough, right? That's a ill-defined game with ill-defined rules that I don't want to play in. Mm-hmm. And that's when I then help to kind of shift them onto, what, how else can we look at this? What else can you be doing here? How does this affect your mood in this moment when you think in this way? So then kind of shifting it away. But yeah, so kind of throwing my hands up, sometimes literally as a way to capture attention and ex- accentuate the fact that, you know, doing this, um, digging in this quest, not helpful. Yeah. That kind of broad view of, of this process is the unhealthy part. Mm-hmm. Trying to determine a metric system for how you're going to accept whatever answers right. you, you have or don't have. Right. Yeah. Again, it would be one thing if you did have a metric that you can go by, but you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and in so many ways, we're, we, when clients bring this up, they're talking about situations in which closure is almost impossible, mm-hmm. uh, a, a death, uh, a, a relationship right. ending, um, 
you know, some of these things, it's just the other person isn't talking to you. The other person isn't alive. Um, that event was so far in the past. You may never really understand the why of it, it happened. So, um, so the person is shifty and hasn't been like trustworthy. So whatever they say now, I can't even quite trust. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> you know, or, or I've even had clients who've had really big disputes with siblings, maybe in childhood. Um, and then I've always just kind of carried this anger, resentment, and then finally they kind of want closure. They want to understand, you know, they want to make peace with what happened. And when they go to approach the sibling, the other sibling's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't even remember that, you know, mm-hmm. um, which really kind of at, at the time froze my client out because they were like, there's no way now that I can understand why they did that or said that. I can't remember exactly what it was, but you know, the event, uh, you know, that, that might have caused so much pain, it, it may not be accessible anymore right. except for in your memory. Right. So um, sometimes uh, looking at um, these drives for closure, and especially when um, that information is probably no longer available. Mm-hmm. Brutal process. Sure. Yeah. Right. It brings up a lot of rumination patterns. I find that um, when people have these closure kind of issues, uh, let's say in grief, you know, when they remember a, a parent or a grandparent or something like that, the, the memory of that person all of a sudden leads them into that loop of, oh man, they, they died without me understanding this part or th- right. this thing, you know, and it, and it becomes, um, kind of the way they experience that person when that person's triggered in the memory, you know, that there's the, mm-hmm. there's the memory. And then that goes right into that loop of, Oh, I'll never be able to tell that person goodbye, or I'll never be able to understand what happened and why they made that choice. You know, right. and it becomes kind of how they experience that person in their life, which is kind of sad. Sure. In, in yep. many ways. Yeah. And then all of those things, certain types of thoughts or memories or fears or how you feel physically when you're thinking that and how you feel emotionally, what you tend to do, like maybe withdraw, for instance, um, all of that g- is part of that s- signature network yeah. rep- rep- uh, in your mind representing yep. the loss of that person, um, how I get when I'm triggered, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, all yeah. of that then gets activated and... Becomes very patterned, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, pointing out, I think, sometimes to people that they're they're kind of hanging their happiness on this closure thing Mm -hmm. that that really there's almost an insistence that that closure is needed before happiness and and meaning can be found again right in life sometimes yeah um that seems to be a um a thought i think it sounds like so that's how i i target that which is this demand for Mm -hmm. this to be acquired met first and then uh, X, Y, and Z, right? So then I can then tie into, you, you know how with your jobs, <laughs> the jobs, the string of jobs you've had, right? You've been walking around thinking, oh, if I found that perfect job, right? right? Just look for that perfect job. Then the rest of my life will be set. Same type of thinking, same type of conditionality, same type of demand, right? Yeah. It's the insistence that X must be met first. That's your problem. Yeah, that I must be at peace with conditions before right. I can, yeah. Yes. It's a really good way to pray. Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks. Thanks.